What a gift it is to be able to share with you today. What a precious gift. Bryce, thank you so much for this invitation. What a gift. For several weeks now, I've been trying to imagine what it would feel like to stand in this place today. And now that I'm here, I'm absolutely overwhelmed. I was pastor of this wonderful church from 1993 to 2007. I came to Tiburon Baptist Church as a young seminary student in 1979, yes, over 40 years ago. And after falling in love with this church, and after being loved by this church for years, I was called to serve as pastor in 1993, a complete and unexpected surprise. Uh, A surprise to me, surely, but I think also a surprise to this entire church. But there I was, never intending to be a pastor, never wanting to be a pastor, never imagining that I would pastor this church that I love so deeply. And together, through God's grace, we made it up as we went along. And God kept showing up along the way. So standing here today, memories wash over me. Just around the corner, that's the place I saw Julie for the very first time in my life. A little bit later, on this very spot, I recited promises to Julie at our wedding. Right here, I knelt at my ordination, as many of you put your hands on my head and blessed me and prayed for me. And told me that you believed in me. Right here I dedicated my children to the Lord. And I promised that I would be the kind of parent that God wanted me to be. In this baptistry I had the high privilege of baptizing my children. And some of you. In this very room over the years we worshipped God together. And we entered into covenants and we made music. Right here, we commissioned mission teams and we sent people all around the world. In this room, we gathered often for weddings and gathered probably just as often for memorial services. And through all of that and through so much more, we we laughed and we cried and we lived life together and we were changed by God. The Bible often talks about holy places, holy mountains or holy cities or holy rivers, places set aside and remembered because of their connection with God. Well, for me, this is a holy place. In my life, in fact, this place is probably the most holy place. And holy places are wonderful. But holy places can also be dangerous. Dangerous because we can, unfortunately, begin to focus on the place rather than on the God who makes the place holy. Dangerous because we we can enjoy the place so much that our settledness keeps us from pursuing the call of God. Dangerous because our comfort with a certain place can make it difficult for us to continue on our journey with God. 
In fact, when you hear my description of those long ago days, you might be wondering, well, why on earth did you leave? If this was such a holy place, why would you leave it? And that is a really, really good question. In fact, a question I often ask myself even now. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter finds himself in the presence of Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And if ever there was a holy place, that is it. And and Peter is so taken by where he is and so captivated by who he's with that he blurts out, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we put up three shelters? One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. In other words, Jesus, why don't we just stay here? It's good here. Let's just make this permanent. Peter's suggestion is not well received. Actually, actually, his suggestion is completely ignored. And as the story goes on in Matthew 17, we see that we see that Jesus has another agenda in mind. Jesus isn't interested in camping out in holy places. Instead, Jesus is consumed with pursuing the call of his Father. And I don't want to overstate the case, but that is basically why we left this holy place. On the one hand, there was a there was a push. Not not a push from people, but a push from deep within our hearts. We became convinced that we had done what God had called us here to do. We sensed that new gifts would be needed to help this church embrace its next season and And though no one was actually pushing us in that direction, we came to feel that quite strongly. So one day we simply understood that it was time for us to leave. More importantly, though, our leaving was in response to a strong, clear, unavoidable sense of call. Not just a push, but a a pull. A call so compelling that we could not say no. Just like Abraham and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul and so many others in our family of faith, we were, we were captive to the call of God. And we knew that we wanted what God wanted. Even if that would cost us a great deal. One of the most vivid and, and frankly most painful memories of my entire life is, is that morning 13 years ago. March 13th, 2007, if you're keeping score at home, when we drove out of Marinwood with tears streaming down our cheeks, certain that we were pursuing God's call, certain that we were pursuing God, and just as certain that we had never done anything as difficult in all of our lives. We were headed to a small town in northern Michigan. Oh, we were ready for an adventure. We thought we were. I had just turned 50. This was probably all part of my midlife crisis. We were pursuing the call of God. And it's not like we were moving to another country. More accurately, we were moving to another planet. (laughs) Honest truth. And had we known what was to come... And had we known what was waiting for us, had had we known what this call would involve, we probably would not have gone. But we did not know all of that at the time, of course. All we knew was that God was leading us. 
And now here I am, 13 years later, I'm here to say that the only reason to leave a holy place is to pursue the living God. Now I apologize for the overly personal nature of that introduction. I'm fully aware that sermons are supposed to be about God and not about me, but but my experience along with this setting is a perfect prelude to the story that we encounter in Matthew chapter 2. The story of the wise men. The story of the magi and their pursuit of the living God. This is what we read in Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their country by another route. With this beautiful story in mind, let's think today about three questions. First, what would cause the Magi, the wise men, to go on journey in the first place? And while we're thinking about the wise men, let's think about ourselves. What would would cause any of us to journey? And by the way, journey is not always a matter of geography. Sometimes it is, of course. Our home, for example, is exactly 2,046 miles from this spot. That is some serious geography. But journeys come in all shapes and sizes. Growing closer to God can be a journey. Changing the way we see other people can be a journey. Being open to the activity of God can be a journey. And sometimes that will mean going to a different place, but not always. Even so, the question remains, what would, what would cause any of us to, to go or to grow or to change? What would cause any of us to journey? That's the first question. Second, what will the Magi find when they reach their destination? 
And while we think about them, let's think about ourselves again. When, when we journey, what will we find? Is there any guarantee of what we'll find? Or any guarantee about how things will work out? So the second question is this, what will happen to us when we go? Will our expectations be met or will there be surprises? Will things work out or will they not work out? That's the second question. And then third, how will the Magi be affected by their journey? And yes, again, let's think about ourselves. How, how will we be affected when we're willing to take those steps and make those moves and pursue what it is that God has in mind for us? How will we be affected if we pursue the living God? So today, let's invite the wise men to be our guides and let's grapple with those three questions. So first, why journey at all? Honestly, it's easier just to stay where we are. It is certainly easier to stay who we are. But generally speaking, it's not possible to stay where we are and still pursue the living God. And it is never possible to stay who we are and pursue the living God. So why journey at all? Well, in the case of the wise men, there was that star. There's so much we don't know about the the Magi, exactly where they were from, for example. At least a half dozen countries claim the wise men as their own today. The Bible simply tells us that they're from the east. And they see a star that leads them on a journey. Whatever life is like for them in the east, back home, they're willing to follow that star, this leading of God. And and they're willing to follow that star at great cost. They probably don't even completely understand it at the time, but, but the wise men are being drawn into the presence of God. They're being drawn to pursue God by God Himself. I think often we are being drawn by God and we can't even put into words what it is that we're chasing. But God draws us in so many different ways. In the case of the Magi, it was a star. A star that was unusual enough to be noticed by these stargazers and a star that beckoned them to follow. Now there was no star that guided our family to Michigan. But the call of God was so very clear and our sense of rightness about our move was so very compelling that we can understand why the wise men would risk so much to pursue what was for them the activity of God. God was doing something. And for some reason, He wanted the wise men to be involved. Turns out that in the wise men, God was drawing the nations to Himself. Remember, these are outsiders. And they are about to be included in the story of salvation. And though the wise men couldn't possibly understand that at the time, they they became aware of that drawing, and the wise men journeyed in pursuit of the living God. And it's really that simple. The answer to our question, why journey? We journey when God makes it clear that we should. We journey when God calls. We journey when God draws. And when that happens, we cannot stay where we are and go with God at the same time. 
So why journey at all? Well, we journey when God makes it clear that we should. Second, what do we find when we go? Well, in the case of the wise men, there's a great surprise. A great surprise. They arrive in Jerusalem assuming that this royal city will be a fitting place for a new king to be born. Makes perfect sense after all. Jerusalem and its palaces and power and wealth and history. And the wise men are innocent enough or perhaps naive enough to to march right into Jerusalem and to declare, we are here. Where's the new king? In other words, we've been drawn to journey by God himself and we've followed that star that he placed in the heavens. What we expect to find in this great city is the new king. We have it all worked out. We know what it looks like. This is what we expect to find. Expectations are are funny. Now, now we know that it takes a special boldness to journey with God, but, but we're willing to be bold and do that sometimes because we're pretty sure about what will come next. What will come next, of course, is that our boldness will be rewarded. What will come next, of course, is that our obedience will lead to blessing. What will come next is that our expectations will be fulfilled, and if we're really fortunate, they will be exceeded. Except that isn't always what happens. The wise men do not get what they expect. See, right there, that's a perfect place for a new king, but instead they are sent on to a very small village called Bethlehem. The last place you would ever expect to find a king. And when they get there, I'm pretty sure that they're thinking this is not what we expected. You probably know that feeling. That job that you've dreamed about, it's it's yours now. And it's not quite what you were expecting. Now the wedding is over and you're really surprised to discover how difficult marriage can be. Or you finally get into your dream college and in the middle of your first semester you begin to wonder why this was your dream college. Or maybe you couldn't wait to retire. In fact, you were counting the days, and now you're realizing that it's not exactly what you expected. I'm pretty sure you know the feeling. Life is filled with unmet expectations. Let me tell you a little bit more about our move to Michigan. Compelled by the clear call of God, we went on journey with God And we assumed that God would honor our faithfulness. We assumed, in fact, that God would be quite impressed with our boldness in following. And that the result of that painful move would be all kinds of success and blessing. And God has blessed us. Let me be clear about that. God has proven himself to be faithful. But along with the wonderful blessing of God, we've also known... Failure and heartache and loss 
unlike anything we have ever known before. We followed God to what we thought was our promised land and we were stunned to discover that our promised land wasn't all that promising. The church in Michigan that extended a call to us turned out to be an interesting place. All churches are interesting, of course, even, even this one. But this one turned out to be more interesting than most. In fact, after a time, a small group in that church decided that they would be happier if we were not there at all. And they set out to make that happen. And it was only a couple of people, but they made life unbearable and unsafe for our family. So after years of trying to survive the threats and the meanness, I simply resigned with nowhere to go. When I did that, I simply assumed that God would open a new door for us, and quickly. But for over a year and a half, I pursued every position I could find, and I heard only silence in response. You see, when we journeyed with God, we simply assumed that things would go well. We assumed that we would do well. Nobody had ever promised us that, of course, and and God certainly had never promised us that, but we were stunned at how badly things turned out. And we are still stunned today. Let's just say that our expectations were not met. So, So what happens when you journey with God? Well, Well, who can say? Who who can know for sure? And even though that's true, I'm I'm quite confident in saying today that journeying with God is, is still always the very best choice. Always, even when things don't turn out like we expect. And that leads us to our third question. What what then happens to us when we journey with God? If, If our expectations are fulfilled or if we are completely surprised, what happens to us? How are we affected? How are we changed? Again, the wise men are are wonderful guides here. They arrive in Bethlehem. Their expectations have not been fulfilled at all, but they arrive in Bethlehem and they do in fact meet the new king. And in worship they give their gifts. They experience exactly what they are hungering for. They meet the living God. And let's not miss this. They are completely changed. Now we have no idea what happens to the wise men after this particular story in Matthew 2, but I love the last thought in the story that tells us that the wise men return to their country by another route. They do that to avoid King Herod, of course. It's clear that he wants to destroy this new king. And the wise men have been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So instead they they go home a different way. And I love that. The wise men go home a different way. And I think the wise men go home different. There is simply no way to enter into the presence of the living God and not be different. Simply being in God's presence makes us different. 
So the wise men have journeyed in response to God's call. We are invited to do the same. When we do that, we encounter often surprises. Things don't turn out like they expect. But however things do turn out, we are changed. And sometimes we are changed radically. I cannot put into words how radically I have been changed. God has humbled me. God has taught me about trust. God has revealed himself to be real. God has shown me his faithfulness. God has has helped me learn about grace. God has helped me face my pride. God continues to try to teach me to stop judging. God is trying so hard to make me gentle. God, over these past 13 years, has changed me. And He continues to change me even today. I'm not who I need to be, of course. But I am not who I was. And that is at least part of the reason that God led us to Michigan. See, after waiting for God to do something to rescue us during that really dark time, after waiting through that year and a half of silence, we finally sensed that God wanted us to stay where we were and start a new church. The last thing in the world we wanted to do. It seemed clear by then that God wasn't going to move us to some other place. And we finally figured out that God had us exactly where he wanted us to be. So four years ago, we gathered a small group of people together and we started a new church. It's a church for people who know what it is to be broken. Many people in our church don't really know Jesus all that well, but they want to. We meet in a mall. Most Sundays we have about 60 people or so, and we are not polished or flashy at all. As a church, we don't have much organizational structure. Okay, we don't have any organizational structure. But we we love being together, and we know that we won't make it if we don't have one another. And most Sundays, God shows up. And what's more, we are being changed. We don't always go home from worship by a different route. After all, there are only a couple of roads where we live. But but we do go home different. And if you were to ask me today if these past 13 years have been worth all the change that I've experienced, I'm not sure what I would say. It has been really, really hard. But I am not the same person I was 13 years ago. And that is a good, good thing. It's not much fun, but it is good to be brought to our knees. It is good to allow God to teach us humility and gentleness. It is is good to find out that God is faithful even when everything else falls apart. At this point, it would be really easy to look at our move to Michigan as some terrible, costly mistake, but... But I'm not going to do that at all. Instead, these past 13 years became for me an opportunity to to meet the living God in a brand new way. 
these past 13 years became for me an opportunity to encounter some amazing divine surprises. And ultimately, these 13 years became for me an opportunity to be changed. And that is what a journey is for. Just like the wise men, we respond to the call of God with or without a star. God makes it clear what He wants. And if we're wise, we'll follow that guidance. And then once we get where we're going, we generally find that it's not exactly what we expected. But even then, if we pay attention and if we're open to what God can do, we find ourselves being changed. And that, it turns out, is a good, good thing. It is worth pursuing the living God no matter what happens. And no matter how things turn out. Because when we pursue the living God, He shows up in remarkable ways. And God does what God alone can do. And through that, we become completely different people. May we be open to what God wants to do. Let's pray. But God, have your way. With this world, with this church, and with us individually. Lord God, change us. And Lord God, keep changing us. Even when we resist and fight against that, Lord God, keep changing us because you are wise and you are good. And because you love us so. Lord God, have your way. In Jesus' name.